There's nothing worse than reminding them of their comings and goings that they've got this week here and this week there. Unfortunately, in a blended family, it's the reality. In the Blend is a podcast series that helps parents navigate life within a blended family. Join me as I speak with experts and guests to get practical advice on how to have a harmonious blended family life. This series dives deep into the unique dynamics, logistics and challenges of raising a blended family. From new partners to juggling mixed finances, we will help guide you through it. Welcome back to Season 3 of In The Blend. Thrilled to be back after a short break and super excited about the full and pretty diverse lineup of great content that we have in store for this season. But before we dive into today's incredible episode, I did want to let you know that we've just released a brand new free downloadable resource, and it's called 10 Things You Can Do Right Now for More Blended Family Harmony. We'll link to it in the show notes, or you can access it through any of our socials. And in addition to that, I also wanted to let you know we're launching a monthly newsletter. Make sure to visit our website and sign up so you can stay up to date with all things in the blend. All right, let's jump straight into it. So today we have a very special guest joining us, the blended family blogger, Franny Cayley, and she has a blog called Not Quite Nuclear. Franny found herself as an instant mum of five when she met her partner and will be sharing the details of her personal journey so far and the insights learned along the way. Get ready for an episode where you'll get a peek under the hood into a real-life blended family. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did chatting with Franny. Welcome, Franny, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for having me. For those who don't know, Franny is a, you're a you're in a blended family yourself, and yeah. she has a blog called Not Quite Nuclear. Uh, I love the name. I love the name <laughs> <laughs> where, where she talks. Some days it's very nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> uh, where she talks all things blended families in the blog, and I was compelled to reach out to you, Franny, after I read an article that was published in Mamma Mia last year, yeah. which was titled 10 Things You Know to Be True If You Have a Blended Family. <laughs> and I certainly resonated with many of the items on the list yeah. and thought, this sounds like someone um, I've definitely got a little bit in common with. So Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I remember starting that article thinking, is it just 10? Like, would, would they <laughs> let me go over? Because <laughs> sometimes it feels like we could keep adding. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I know. Um, well, look, I have many questions that I'm keen to ask you, but but to start us off today, can you tell tell me a little bit about your blended family and how it came to be? Yeah, yeah. So we're uh, um, my husband and I have been together for what will be eight years at the eight years at the end of this year, um, six years married at the middle middle of the year. Um, so when we met, he had already had five children with his ex, his ex-wife, um, four boys and one girl, and I had exactly zero children um, and so much freedom in my life, <laughs> um, a, a huge appetite for travel, um, a job that I was loving working in, all the flexibility in the world. So for us coming together, it was kind of learning you know, what, what life looked like. He, my husband, now husband, he had never had 
um, someone else in the kids' lives. So he was doing learning as well. It wasn't all me doing the learning. Um, his children at the time, so uh, the boys would have been uh, getting in the order of um, four, five-ish and up. So, and then his daughter would have been around 11. So there's there's five kids in seven years. Wow. So they're quite close together. Um, and... We now have, um, it's easier to talk in the now ages, so we now have um, the boys are 12, 13, uh, 16, 17, and the eldest is 20. So, yeah, that's that's kind of our wild mix. And then we've added a little girl um, and she's three. So she's beautiful. We say that the girls are our bookends. We've yes. Got one at each end and the four boys in the middle and and our three-year-old daughter has absolutely everyone where she wants them. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, yeah. sh- showered with love, I can absolutely. imagine. Absolutely. <laughs> and ready with commands all the time. <laughs> well, I can only imagine coming into a situation where you met someone with, with five children in my personal situation, I met someone with two children and mm-hmm. I found that challenging enough right at the, the outset yeah. as well. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm like I'm the youngest of four. My husband's the youngest of seven. So I think both of us knew a life of crazy and busy and kids in all directions. Um the irony was that it wasn't necessarily difficult to have kids around all the time. It was the, the biggest difficulty in those early stages was just learning who fit where. You know, what's what is the new team and who's who's doing their bit and what does that bit look like? Absolutely. Well look, I, I'm very interested to know sort of what what prompted you to start the blog? Let's let's mm. dive in there because uh, I, I I'm yeah very impressed to see that you've you've pulled that together um, to as a way to share your experience. Thanks Laura. It's it is exactly that. It's exactly a platform to share experience because I found I found lots and lots of content and I found in those, particularly in the early stages, but, but honestly, I feel like every season together we learn a bit more about what this family makeup looks like anyway. I don't I don't think you ever nail it. You know, you never yeah. go, yeah, I know my bit here, I know your <laughs> bit here. I just feel like the kids move through different seasons, but so do we. You know, we move through different yeah. stages in our life or at the moment for us it's, you know, changes in career or different ages of kids going into high school or leaving school. And I, I only said goodbye to one of the boys before he's off to uni in the middle of the day. I've gone from working from home without him here to working from home with him here and you know we're we're relearning we're relearning our place with each other in this season and and what what it looks like so so i think for me not quite nuclear was really about saying um how do we start the conversation because it's super lonely some days some Mm -hmm. days you're looking for someone to talk to about just those the intricacies of the blend the intricacies of that feels like a parenting moment but I just went and, you know, on top of it, I've also got this stepmom kind of title while I'm doing that parenting moment with the kid and I'm not even sure I've nailed it. I probably haven't nailed it. And I'm not, I, I think there's doubt in parenting anyway, but you get that extra little seed as a step parent. 
Definitely. And so for me, Not Quite Nuclear was really about um, putting something out there that I would have liked to have seen at different stages of parenting, but in, in the most, you know, just, just human kind of way, just it is what it is. Some days it is not pretty. Some days we do not get it right. You know, some days we think we got it right and then we go to bed and debrief and go, we absolutely missed the mark on that. <laughs> um, but for me, yeah, not quite nuclear was, was I guess, we, you know, there's more and more families that are not nuclear um, and, and not always easy to understand. And I think even some of my friends said after reading the first blog, wow, I, you know, I'd never thought about that. I'd never thought of those things. And I, I've even watched some of my own relationship shift with people now wanting to ask questions that maybe felt a bit taboo. Mm. So it's mm. opened the door for, for yeah. those conversations. And yeah, so yeah. What, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced that <laughs> you've, you've perhaps wanted to highlight on the blog or what, what have I mean, been... Let's... Let's start with four boys in a house. I mean, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure there's any preparing for that, and certainly not from cold, like from from zero to four. Um, no. we have a lot of conversations that I just never ever planned would be. If I if I looked to the future, there's things that get said, bro. Yeah, I never thought those words would fall out of my mouth, but they did. <laughs> um, I think if I if I think about the the challenges. I reckon they're what I touched on before, they're parenting, which I think you're doing um, and you would know yourself with, with the situation, you know, you're parenting your stepchildren mm. um, and parenting is really tough and there's lots of information about parenting being tough. There's plenty of blogs and podcasts and forums and people are talking about the challenges of parenting. But I reckon facing all those standard parenting challenges which are things like you know kids misusing technology learning manners cleaning up after yourselves i often say to the kids i didn't have housemates until i met you and holy dooly i am not sure i was ready for a housemate you know <laughs> stop stop eating the stuff on the third shelf no just kidding yeah. we don't have labeled shelves but you know if you think about share houses you kind of sometimes step parenting, particularly in the ages that my stepkids are at, we're going through this share house stuff. And so I, I think if I think about current ages, the challenges look like learning to bring kids through years that are hormone filled, that mm -hmm. are tough anyway for kids. And then the added dimension of being a step parent is you're wanting to show them a sense of relativity that you understand the challenge they're going through because you kind of did it you know you, you, so you want to show some compassion for them in just that human sense of parenting but you're always learning where your role is mm. in their bit so you know we do a lot of encouraging relationship with with their mum we do a lot of trying to wrap around understanding where they're at but at the same time some parenting issues are just really really tough mm -hmm. and you know, I'd like to think that after however many years in anyone's circumstances, you can be the stepmom who can wrap your arms around one of those boys. But boys themselves go through a change in their requirements for affection at certain ages. So it kind of, you know, this season for me with, with boys that are pretty well all of them teenage years, um, I'm learning that they've got very, very different needs from me as their stepmom than they did much younger 
and and trying to adapt like all parents do. And I think this is that what is parenting versus step parenting thing. Is this a parenting challenge or is this a parenting challenge that I'm adding the step parenting dimension to? You know, we're we're finding that the boys will be challenged by something or upset by something. And my instinct is to want to wrap around them, but I have to find where they are before I do that I have to work out is this a bit where they need me is this a bit where their mum might be best placed or or their dad might be best placed what's my bit in it and I think that goes when you say what are the greatest challenges I think it goes for every every age you know mm. each of their ages and the spectrum I've seen um, it, you've just got to find where does the stepmom fit and not not you know inadverted commas the stepmom but as their stepmom where am I here yeah. In this scenario. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's spot on. I had a, a, a fabulous guest on the on the show a little while back, and she her, her name's Dr. Lisa Dudson. She's yes. based in the UK. You've probably read yes. some of her books, Franny. Yes. <laughs> and she's she's written How to Be a Happy Stepmom, and she talks yeah. a lot about that issue of role ambiguity and yeah. what can be so challenging, especially for new stepmoms, is coming in and not knowing what their role is. Yeah. So do I discipline? Yeah. Do I not? Do I get involved here or do I not? And yeah. I think as the children get older, it gets even more complex because oh gosh, it, it's, that role it's changes so does, again. Yeah. yeah. And and I even think about, you know, if we if we break it down to the bits that we've lived and understand, I think about me as a child to my mother, and I'm the youngest of four, like I said, you know, not, not one of us four are the same people, not one of us four are motivated by the same things or respond to the same conversation or discipline or whatever it is. And so I think about that for the kids in our house and, and you know, I can't expect to be the same stepmom to each of them, they they each need something different from me. Um, and some of them require a real closeness and others require me to just be around. Um, yep. You know, and when in those early stages when you're learning, gosh, it's hard not to overdo it. It is so hard not to burn <laughs> yourself out in the giving, you know. And I reckon most of us do it. Most of us burn out in the giving. Yeah, those early stages. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I think yeah, you get yeah. better. You get better at carving out time for yourself. Well, I know I have, mm -hmm. and that's something I'm quite mindful to do now. Yeah, that yeah. even if it's just an hour a week, I've got that pocket of time that's mine. Yeah, and I think it's also, um, you know, when you're adding to the family, so you're having more children, and in our case, having had our daughter. Um, you can very, very quickly find the burnout. You can very, very quickly learn that trying to move between the newborn and what's needed and getting kids to soccer and school and all the bits that, that were life before the newborn, you kind of don't want any of it to fall over because, mm. you know, you want everyone to get what they need and then in the middle you go, oh, a bit tired. <laughs> what, does, what does that hour a week look like or what does that little bit look like? And to this day, I am a big fan of I'll put myself to bed early if I can't be the best of me. You yeah. know, like I'll, I'll watch what's happening in the house and think, okay, we've got the little ones in bed, everyone's fed, you know, pyjamas are on, we're all ready for school tomorrow. The best thing for everyone right now 
is for me to take some time out. And <laughs> I, I love it. I'm a fan of putting myself to bed. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I think yeah. that's a great strategy. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it sounds to me from what you've described, like you've got a naturally very warm and nurturing style. And uh, I'm curious to know what that dynamic's been like over the years with your your husband and if you've got quite different styles naturally mm. or how, mm. how does that play out day to day? Mm. So I would say he has a developed, my husband has a developed style. He had time to parent before I came along and understand who he was as a parent. I would also say that parenting side by side has changed his parenting style too because um, I think when when you complement one another's approaches, it does shift you both. I, I do have a tendency to be very, very empathetic and my husband always, always says to me, empathy without boundaries is self-harm. Yeah, mate, I get it, but the kid's sad and it's making me sad, <laughs> you know, so I hear what you're saying, but my heart hurts if their heart hurts and when you've got lots of parts really, really close to you, you do have to create some kind of boundaries on not falling into each of their challenges in every day. So my husband certainly has a better capacity to toe a line that says allow each of the kids to work it through and we'll help them, we'll steer them, but we're not resolving it for them, yep. um, which I so need. I so need someone who does that <laughs> alongside me. Um, but by the same token, I will often need to say, or not often, but I will usually be the one that says, I don't think it's that black and white. You know, I think there's this is one of those challenges with the kids that we need to look at differently. We need to ask more questions or, you know, where I remember we got to the third of the boys um, in, in that kind of 12-year-old mark where things started to shift. I know in our house and it's not the same with all kids and I accept that, but the third of, of four boys kind of hit 12 and became a little bit more inward focused and had, had a different capacity to, you know, receive information or be connected or put the put the laptop down that they get at school or whatever disconnect my friend sit with us and and chat um and he it was he was the third in line before I looked at my husband and said huh we're still parenting him as a child and he's moving through adolescence he's he's preparing for his his teenage years and we're linking him with the youngest of the boys and and we're still treating his bedtimes and his privileges and you know his boundaries and we're doing all those things the same so it doesn't kind of matter how many are around you can always miss something but in that in that instance I was able to say to my husband I think we've got this we're butting heads with him because we're actually not giving him the space to do what's needed and when we do conversations like that when we when we walk into parenting together it's great we get the opportunity to to ask the question of one another, is this the best we can do? Is this what we think we'll get a good outcome from? Unfortunately, with parenting, the majority of parenting needs are proper ambush style. It's coming at you and you just got to respond. <laughs> and, and that's, you know, a, a busload getting out, you know, from the bus on the corner, piling into the house at once and everyone wants something. Franny, can I? Franny, can I? Franny, can I? Hey, Franny, can I? Franny, can I? And I'm going, whoa, I've been at home in a box on my own all day and you're all talking at once and it's way too much for me. Aww. So it's I, th I think when when I can com or compare or complement my husband's parenting style with mine, it centres around communication 
And the majority of times we miss the mark with the kids, it will almost always be we haven't had a chance to do the conversation before something big. And, mm. and you know, we've there are three of them driving now. And so you, those types of things create really big differences that can be as simple as did you tell him that he was allowed to drive such and such those 50 kilometres after work and not get home till midnight? No, I didn't. Oh, did he say I did? No, he didn't. But I assumed because he didn't come home, maybe you gave him permission. Oh, dear, where is he? You know, right. so so yes. it's, it's those moments where we go, oh, if we'd have taken the five minutes out of our day, which is difficult with, with what is for us five kids in the house a lot of the time, we, two of the boys live here permanently, plus our three-year-old and the other two move between the houses a week about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, you know, sometimes you don't have those moments to stop and, and pull it apart, which again, I think is parenting, not so much step parenting. I think it's all parents probably face that. Definitely, especially in those teenage years as well. There's so many additional additional challenges. But um, absolutely, it sounds absolutely. It, it does sound to me like you and your your husband complement each other really nicely in terms of the way that you approach the various challenges and 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 the day to day of parenting as well. So yeah, it's it's look again. You know, there's no there's no perfect with parenting. I don't think anyone's got one of those, but. What I do know is, you know, when we're conscious and we're doing it together, it is a, a thousand percent easier. Um, but none of it is necessarily easy. No. <laughs> and then you you add a you add a, a three year old into the mix as well. So let let's talk a little bit about that yeah. as well. So your your daughter came along yeah. a, a few yeah, years back yeah. now. She did. So so my daughter is Mackenzie, and and Mackenzie was born in twenty nineteen. Um, she had about eight months of life before COVID-19 um, and my stepchildren's mother is a school teacher so she was called into fairly high demand during that period so we homeschooled all of the kids um, with a nine-month-old and it was a wild ride because I don't think I don't think anyone can say, you know, we, yeah, we very easily adjusted to being on top of each other 24 hours a day. We did not. Um, we learned and, and came through it exceptionally and tomorrow could do it again, enjoy it and be much better at it. But it came through pretty quickly for us, that shift. And, you know, we had kids with laptops on camping tables all through the house and a little baby crawling around, both of us working full time, my husband and I. So, not all of of adding our daughter to our family was really about adding a baby to a family that was already blending. Um, it was timing, you know, added its own little dimension and, and circumstances changed things for all of us. Um, I would say to anyone, I had time with all of the kids that I would not normally have because work would have called and I wouldn't have been at home. And so, you know, we had some bonding moments in that period we would never have got otherwise um which included the kids with Mackenzie which included having six children finding their space one of the one of the real privileges we had when we had Mackenzie was um we made a decision during my pregnancy uh, that it would be our baby so so very much about all coming into it together so the kids were the first to know the gender 
of of the baby super important when there's four boys i learned so <laughs> we want to know and it better not be a boy was the oh. advice i got <laughs> and, and they had instructions yeah yeah right, yeah. right. <laughs> so they had instructions for my husband and i on if it, you know if it's a boy then it has to live upstairs with you and dad and their sister because we don't want another boy downstairs it's just too many but if it's a girl she can live downstairs and yeah okay can we all just be really, really clear on what happens with a newborn? She won't be living anywhere but with her mother. <laughs> we're not taking her downstairs. And and look, when we told the kids we were pregnant, um, bless their heart, they all had different questions and, you know, they had a different reaction. But the youngest of, of my stepchildren, who at the time would have been, I guess, eight, yeah, eight, said, wait, so will the baby come to mum's when we go to mum's? Oh, <laughs> and he truly meant it. it. For him, he was trying to work out where where this all fits and what that looks like. And you can imagine the older kids thought that was hilarious. Oh, and I love it. my husband and I explained to him that no, you know, that's not how it will happen. But there are things you just can't plan for, right? They're, they're no. going to ask questions, and I'm pleased that they felt like they could. Um, when so so by the time we had Mackenzie. The boys took turns each Wednesday morning. I would drive them to school and they took turns at opening the app, you know, what size is your baby against compared to a, a piece of fruit oh, or yes. vegetables or whatever it was. And so they got to be the first to find out what the fruit or vegetable of the week was and they would tell me. And so we did these little things and, and they came to a couple of the scans. And um, But most importantly, when, when Mackenzie was born, we brought the kids in and we allowed the one allowed. We asked that on the day she was born, our fam, immediate family, so parents and siblings would come and say hi. And then because I'd had an emergency cesarean, we knew we had five days and we locked it down to just us. So the kids never queued for a cuddle except for with each other. We just found oh. that space to just do our own time. Yeah. Um, and look, it wasn't particularly popular with with lots of friends and family who who love those the, those first newborn cuddles. But it was so what we needed. And and what I know about family, generally speaking, including our family, you know, not being we're not quite nuclear. Um, <laughs> what I know about it is sometimes you just have to communicate what you need. Mm -hmm. And what we needed for that point in our lives was for for my five stepchildren to feel like they weren't trying to compete either with this baby for time with their dad and I or with other people for a cuddle and so mm. we were just all kind of fine in our groove um, how beautiful and it was look it was interesting um since then she's added the most spectacular dimension she's um she's a a full spirit so she's got, you know, I watch her now and I think, my gosh, your brother taught you to say that or do this or, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. But at the same time, she's got so many bits of all of us. And, you know, I love hearing the kids say, oh, my gosh, she just looked like this photo I've seen of one of them, you know, and they'll see likeness. Um, in some of her features or mannerisms with something they remember of each other or, you know, they do now of each other or a photo they've seen. And I think it's really nice that they can find that space with one another. But but it's not, it truly isn't always easy. You know, three, a three-year-old and, and a 12-year-old who are just the best of friends, um, there'll come a time where whatever age she is and whatever age he is may not complement each other, as is the case with any gaps like that with kids. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think, you know, just, just finding the bond between them now will make those years a little bit less painful, hopefully. Um, but what the three-year-old wants to do is not always what, what the other kids want to do. So, you know, they make a lot of concessions. They they go to the playground and then we find ways to do activities that are more suited to their ages um, and things they want to do. But I think it's it's just being aware that, you know, three and 17 don't play the same way. No. Um, but, but they're beautiful together and give them their own space and they'll find what their relationship is and, and how it works. But give a 17-year-old room to be 17 too. Yep, yep. Yeah. No, I, I, I identify with that. We've, we've got a 14-year-old teenager at the moment and a 12-year-old yeah. and then the youngest is four and, yeah. and seven. So, you know, we, yeah, we often refer to them as the big kids and the little kids and often yeah. the, the big kids don't want to do what the little kids are doing right. and right. sometimes they make those concessions and then other times yeah. Matt and I make concessions and we, yes. we, we divide and conquer and, yes. and then we'll all, all meet up later on or, uh, yeah. you know, you yeah, figure it out. You so do. You do. Yeah. You find your groove and and you find what works for each of those kids. Mm. You know, what works, what, what one of them is interested in, I can guarantee you the next is not. So, you know, we'll find three of them outside chalk painting on the driveway um, and two of them are inside with a guitar and a piano, not even remotely interested in what's going on out there. And, and tomorrow it might look different. Yep, yep. Yeah. It keeps it interesting, doesn't it, Franny? Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it keeps it interesting. <laughs> How do you manage conflicts? Because I know that in any family, and especially with yeah. siblings, sibling yeah. rivalry can come up, and there can be yeah. there can be moments where uh, the, these two aren't getting on, and and these two. Uh, these two are, and then the next day it's all switched around. How how do you go about dealing with with conflict as it may arise in the yeah, in the family I think unit? Um, I'll tell you some interesting stories. I think that, that well, I I think they're interesting because I'm learning as I go. Um, what I'm learning at the moment with with the two boys that do live here full time, um, and of course with Mackenzie, is there's an element of um, parenting what's under your roof. So I find that my parenting approach with the two boys that live here can at times be somewhat different than the two that come weak about. And, and that's for me to reconcile and, and, you know, find, and I think in anyone's circumstances, find out what that is and, and what's, what drives that. Um, often it's opportunity. I find with the boys that there, there, will, there will be conflicts between them. Um, they're at an age now where it starts to get a bit funny when there's a conflict between them because you know at 16 and 17 they can resolve it between themselves they're either tired you know there's a defiance it was definitely my shirt and you've definitely taken it and know that that size was mine um <clears throat> they tend to be very very different types of conflicts in all honesty at this age the conflict is usually mine which which is another thing i'm learning as i go the conflict is usually that um you know i i we sat the boys down just this last week, all four of them, and being the only girl other than our three-year-old daughter living in this house, having to say to them, when guests come to this bathroom, you need to have some respect for yourself because that hygiene is not okay, you know. And, and so I find that there'll be a conflict that arises 
that is often created from a standard that we're setting in the house. Mm. Something that says that's not how we do things here. Yep. Um, and usually I feel like I'm the one who wants it enforced the most. You know, yes. like, oh, I'm here the most and I can see it the most. Or And, and there's stuff that, you know, if I can shut their bedroom door 90% of the time, I'm willing to ignore what happened in there or whatever the state they've left it in. Yeah. But where there's common areas in the house, I find we, we create a bit of conflict or I'll create a conflict that says, nope, I'm done there. It's not yep. going to stay like that anymore. You know, or don't. Don't put the empty milk back. All the standard, I'm I'm more than three years old stuff, you know. Totally. Like, I've, I've, I've not done the dishwasher properly or I've, you know, I've not helped with that thing or, yes, I did jam the last thing in the bin so that now the bin is broken because I pushed it so hard to squeeze the last thing in there. Um, I find, you know, in, in the sense of conflicts, it will usually be about a standard or an expectation that, in this house I have with them and oftentimes it might be different at their mum's mm -hmm. and that for me has always been an inf interesting conflict the one that says you, you know being so cautious to not say um we don't do that here mm -hmm. in a way that says and I know you do it there you know yeah <laughs> but, but being able to say in in our house mm. we do things like this yep you know and there's nothing worse than reminding them of their comings and goings that they've got this week here and this week there. But sometimes, unfortunately, in a blended family, it's the reality. It's not It's not an avoidable or a taboo topic. The reality is, you know, I understand you're going to be living with different rules. Here's our not negotiables, though. These are the things that really matter here. Yeah. Um, and finding the way to say that. I find is often the root cause of conflict. It's just they've come from doing things a certain way for a week and you yeah. do that tuck back in period when you when they first come back and, you know, you reestablish the boundary. Yeah, it's, oh, I, I identify with a lot of what you're saying there. <laughs> and I think, yeah. I think you're so right about the delivery as well. It really yeah. is important to focus on the how you say it and mm -hmm. because you're well within your rights to say it. Uh, it's yeah. your, it's your house and, and yeah, you should, yeah. yeah, so it's important. But, but it's also disharmony, mm. genuine disharmony if you leave it. Mm. Because mm. oftentimes it will be what chews, you know, it will chew at me, like mm. the toilet incident. Eventually, I've said it enough, I've said it enough, no, I'm done. You're all going to sit down and we're having a stage one intervention here. This is serious. <laughs> oh, I love it. We're almost at time here. Yeah. Just before we wrap up, yeah. I'd love to ask, what advice would you give to others who might be listening to this and just where, where you were, seven seven years ago eight years ago yeah. when you and your now husband met yeah what what advice would you give to someone in that situation interesting because it's probably going to sound conflicting in the first instance be careful what you read when you're looking for advice um because some of it can actually diminish or feel like it's diminishing your own feelings and and i say that with caution because it is easier to tell the full story and I know in my own blogs it's easier to tell the full story and how it ended and that you're okay you give you know you kind of give the okay mandate at the end some situations don't resolve like that you know and and 
we we do a lot of not so much protecting the kids from what is a continued strained relationship between us with their mum. And I saw you had a podcast recently with with two houses and my husband communicates with his ex-wife via two houses. Um, and it is the only means of communication between them. So it's a it's a very line in the sand relationship. And as kids move through different ages, I think you can find they will very easily lean into whichever age they are, the traits of that age. So, you know, there's there's some of those teenage years that can be very self-focused. And if if self is best fed over at this house versus that house, they're still teenagers in this situation. They're still, you know, if, if that's their bent, I can get better here, I'm going to go there. Um, so, so what we've found is instead of feeding into the dialogue or the narrative of how neither of the families are blending and we are not, you know, where they have very much have a team at their mum's house and a team here, um, we've only ever asked that we, we speak kindly of their mum in this house. But moving through the teenage years, they form their own views um, and often, you know, we'll correct, you don't get to make that throwaway statement here. It's not okay to say that about your mum. She's your mum. Mm -hmm. And it might be as simple as, oh, you know, a phone gets thrown on the bed. Mum's so annoying. Mm -hmm. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I don't want to give you permission to speak about her like that because you know that we don't have a connected relationship. So I think my first advice is kind of, it's a bit of a mixed piece. It's one that says, um, be careful what you're reading because some people are doing this really well and you may never. You may never, ever have a relationship um, where all parents can sit at the table together or even pull up in the driveway of the house or or communicate issues about the kids. You know, it might always feel like this. Um, but what you will do is find what you're okay with. You'll find you're okay in amongst it. You'll find the way to communicate when you're not with your respective partner. You'll find the place that fits right for you with your stepchildren and you'll probably get it wrong in the first few few like you know those first few seasons of I've either overstepped I'm I'm worthy too involved and I don't know how to come back from here because now the pressure I've put on myself is so great I don't know how to retract I can't do this anymore I'm I'm burning out um, whatever it is it might not look you know in in seven plus years time it might not look the same as a relationship as it did or it does right now where you feel like you're giving a lot and getting nothing back um, and then probably there, there is a lot of information starting to boil now. I, you know, I, as you would know, you're finding more and more people connecting in this space. Um, no two situations are the same. None, zip, nada, not one. There is not one situation because there is only one Laura and there is only one Franny, you know, and, and you've got Matt and I've got Mel and they're not going to do all of the same things all of the same ways all of the time that we've, in our own situation, we have four really distinct humans, you know, you and Matt and me and Mel. And um, if we, if I tried to stand alongside you and create this linear path that said, hey, I'm doing this thing today and I'm feeling like that and you gave me your example, mine might not look like that. We don't have the same variables. So it can be really easy to either feel like you're doing really well compared to or you're doing really poorly compared to. I think if you can drop the comparison and just find find comfort sometimes in the advice, but don't look for it to tell you what your next move will look like or how 
the the biological parent in your situation might respond because it is so different all of the time and like to this day you know it is different for me as i said it's different based on where i'm at where the kids are at in their lives their ages but also you know their mum has her own journey too and sometimes it's different such such good advice franny i think i think that's absolutely spot on and yeah there, there are there are no two families that are the same and there are no, no. normal families no. anymore either what is a normal family yeah, i know right so. and and it's also easy to fall into the negative narrative it's because if you're feeling it if you're feeling overwhelmed in those early stages it can be really easy to go i'm being treated like this you know i'm i'm being treated like the evil stepmother or whatever it is i'm being outcast school feels like an uncomfortable place for me because they're not my kids and i haven't done this schooling journey or whatever whatever and there's chapter upon chapter you name it you know people are living it somewhere in the world right now in their blending journey i think you can easily run the negative narrative um and I, that's where I would layer that caution that says, be careful what you read and the way you ingest that and the advice that you sit on or, or, or chew through. Um, and is it serving you? Is it going to help you feel better where you are? Or are you just finding other people who are a bit cranky today as well? And if that's what you need, great. But, you know, staying there is just never going to serve us. It, it is a tough journey to parent. It is an extremely tough journey to, to step parent. So good. Thank you, Franny. I've really Thanks, enjoyed Laura. really enjoyed our chat today. Thank you. Franny, where can people go if they'd like to connect with you or or check out the blog as well? Yeah, interesting. Interesting. And 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 I didn't touch on this, but my blog is having has been having a little rest. Um and it's it's again because we're moving kids through basically through to adulthood at the moment, those those teenage to adult years. Um, and really trying to respect them, finding their place in you know what we share and what we don't share. And so at the moment, I'm still kind of lamenting or, or I'm chewing on my own content around what feels good for them in some of their most uncomfortable years. <laughs> so make, making sure, you know, we I, I had a story recently about one boy trapping another in the shower when he did a fart. And <laughs> really, really funny when it happened, really, really funny when I shared it. And then it took him a few months to say, actually, if my friends found that, I'm not sure I like it. You know, and so so we're just learning what what does sharing look like in this season. These conversations are still so healthy. So so the blog is not quite nuclear. Um, you'll find it on Instagram and Facebook. The handle not quite nuclear. Um, reach out anytime, anytime at all. More than happy to have a conversation. I think we're all riding a wild horse, um, no matter which stage we're at. So it always helps to have someone to talk to. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the In The Blend podcast. The show notes for this episode are available at intheblend.com.au. And if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and please rate and review in your podcasting app. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn.